Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Well, show of hands. How many came looking for a healthy dose of suffering today at church? That's kind of what I thought. Um, None of us go looking for that. If we're smart, we don't. But also if we're smart, we don't run from it either because we know, and we're going to see today from this text in 1 Peter chapter 3, if you want to turn there, we're going to see from this text today that it it is an essential if we're going to walk with Christ. He suffered, and if we're going to experience him in the way that he wants us to, that he's designed for us to, we're going to have to walk some roads of suffering as well. So let's look at this text, if you will, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 through 22 together. 1 Peter 3, 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for, for what is right, you are blessed. But do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. In that state, He went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Now, four things today I want us to see from this text about suffering. The first of which is this. Suffering is an opportunity to be blessed. (laughs) To be blessed? Yes, look at 13 and 14 again. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. If you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Now, suffering comes not when we do good, when we do what's good, but whether, he says here, what is right. So what's the difference between good and right? Well, good is usually popular. Right seldom is. Good is usually easier. Right seldom is. Good is, uh, usually has an immediate return. Right seldom does. Now, in a practical sense, you say, Tim, give me an example of what you're talking about. I'll use this, this recent situation, the shooting at Austin East, as an example. There's some good things that we could do to, to address that situation, and, and many of them have been mentioned. Maybe perhaps putting up metal detectors in the school to keep weapons out of the school, beefing up security in the school, beefing up the police presence in that community, all good things. But you know the right thing to do? Don't break the law. Don't bring a gun to school. Do the right thing, and right things will follow the right thing. It it, it amazes me how we 
confuse good with right. And they sometimes could, couldn't be, or can be polar opposites. So what does he say here is holding the blessing back. What he says here is fear. Do not fear the, these threats, he says. Do not be frightened in, in doing good, in doing the right thing. Fear seldom keeps anyone from doing good, but it will often keep someone from doing what's right. Fear does. Uh, so, say, Tim, should we stop doing good things? <laughs> Absolutely not. Continue to do good things. Just don't confuse good with right. Right is, is much harder to do than good is. It's, it's some, some, sometimes harder to find and locate as well in situations, but they're there. The opportunities for right are there. They're, they're there at work for you. Usually, God will place them there in a, in a workplace. There are opportunities to do right or in, in, in school or in your child's school, if you have children in school. They're there in peer conversations that God brings across your path every day with other folks. There are opportunities to do right, be right, say right, and think right. But we've got to look for them sometimes because the, the opportunities to, for good uh, usually far outweigh the opportunities for right. But doing the right thing will be blessed, he says. So second thing about suffering is suffering is an opportunity for hope to be revealed. For hope to be revealed. Look at 15 and 16. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It's an opportunity for hope to be revealed. So how can we be ready to reveal hope through suffering? Well, first is by understanding Christ as Lord. He said in 15, 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Christ as Lord, not just as Savior, not just as Redeemer, not just in salvation, but as Master, as Defender, as Provider, as God. Listen to Romans uh, chapter 10, verses 10, uh, 9 to 13. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all who richly blesses all who call on his name for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He says to see him as God, as, as Lord, as, as master, as ruler, not just as savior. So it's this idea of, are we on offense or are we on defense? Well, it depends on your perspective. Our faith may occasionally need to be defended, but it should never be intentionally offensive. Hear that. Our faith may occasionally need to be defended by you and I, but it should never be intentionally at least offensive. Now, is it offensive? Sure it is. Anytime truth is shared in our culture, it's going to offend somebody, and it's offending people today. Right and truth are going to be offensive, but it should, it should never be intentionally offensive, meaning we should seek to, to redeem those relationships, those conversations, into uh, bring those conversations into a redemptive place to where they can see God and not us. Uh, as I say, sometimes our faith needs defended, but it should never be offensive. So here's a question that has to follow that, then. Has our culture gotten in the shape that it's in because we have been offensive and consequently divisive? Or is, there, is the culture in the shape that it's in because we've not defended it well? We, we've been silent. We've, we've not stood for it well. Sometimes the hope that grows out of suffering 
is for us, sometimes it's for someone else, or it's always for us, but sometimes it's always additionally for someone else. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how self-consumed the enemy w- w- wants to make us when we're experiencing a hard place, when we're experiencing suffering. He wants to think this is all about you. God's mad at you. He's, he's, not, being, he's not being the, 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 the redeemer God, the merciful God. He's not, where's, where's all this grace that, you, that everybody talks about? And you're suffering, you're walking through a hard place. Sometimes, again, oftentimes, the suffering is not just about us, but about someone around us. Because here's the truth. The louder witness for us isn't when things are clicking. The louder witness for us is when life isn't working. Is God still God? Is he still known? Is he still seen? Are we still hanging on to him? There's an opportunity for hope to be revealed in suffering. Opportunity to be blessed. Thirdly, Suffering is an opportunity to put skin on the gospel. Look at verse 18. It's an opportunity to put skin on the gospel. 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for all, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Here's the gospel summed up in a verse. If you're looking for a gospel in a verse, there it is. In verse 18, uh, our believing it and living it, consequently, through some hard places, through some suffering, We'll make that gospel a revelation to others. Make it real. Make it more obvious to others. As I said, the loudest witness isn't when when life's clicking. It's it's in the middle of a hard place to have peace. That God is still God. It's in the middle of a hard place to have a rock to cling to when life is crumbling around us. That's the louder witness. It didn't. Boy, it didn't he blessed? It didn't life working for him? No. The louder witness to those around us, sometimes family, sometimes friends, sometimes folks we folks we work with. The louder witness is. I know what he's going through. I know what she's going through. How can he find a place of peace in the middle of that? How can he just walk in the middle of that knowing that there's total, uh, he's totally in the midst of a hard place. He's totally in the midst of, of, of what seems to be by God, abandonment even. Where is his God? Yet, he's at peace. He's at peace with the Lord. That's the far louder witness than life's clicking, the blessings are flowing, the money's flowing, everything's getting paid and everybody's happy and healthy. The louder witness is when life isn't working, what, how and where is our God then? It's, it's, it's a far louder, louder witness uh, to, to have a rock to cling to when, when life's crumbling around me. Now, understanding his suffering for me makes it possible for me to see suffering through a different lens, and it should cause us to see suffering through a different lens in the sense that suffering has a divine purpose. It isn't just to, it isn't just to get our attention. God's got divine purpose to that. On the cross, Jesus was executing the plans of his Father. He suffered on the cross to execute the plans of his father. Suffering should have that same result in your life and my life. It should be the means to an end. It should be, should be the plans that, that God has for us and point others to that plan, his design for us. A believer may suffer as a consequence of something, but never as punishment for it. Don't miss that. A believer may suffer as the consequence of a behavior of a decision, but never as punishment for it. Now, an unbeliever, all bets are off. But a believer, a child of God, God will never punish you with suffering. He will allow you to go through suffering to refine your faith, to tell a story, to reveal him to others, but never as punishment for something because God loves you. And he always has a a redemptive plan for suffering to draw you back to him and others around you back to him or to him for the first time. So if you're seeing suffering as punishment from God, you're looking into a totally wrong, wrong lens. See suffering as sometimes the consequence of decisions we make, yes. But suffering as a means to an end to draw you closer to him and those around you to him for the first time. It, 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 there's, it's, it's, our, 
is a great opportunity, a, 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 a seldom seized, oftentimes, opportunity to put skin on the gospel, but that's exactly what it is. Suffering is an opportunity to be blessed, to, to have hope revealed, to put skin on the gospel. Finally, suffering is an opportunity to, to reveal the power of change. Look at verses 21 and 22. To reveal the power of change. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. It's an opportunity to reveal the power of change. Now, the water that he mentions here, both in the flood and, and, and baptism, water in the scripture is, 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 a, is always a symbol, both then and now, is a symbol of baptism. Baptism is a symbol of the resurrected change, a, a changed life. It's the outward display of a changed heart, of a changed, of a redeemed soul. Um, it's it's a display that <clears throat> I'm God's and he is mine. I want the world to know that. So why is my hope in Christ as Lord? Because Christ as Lord changed my heart. It changed my destiny, changed my destination. He has designed in my suffering a, at least twofold design. You may think of others, but I can think of at least two that's, that this text draws from. One is this, that suffering make me more like him. If we're going to suffer because he suffered, then our suffering should be redemptive in the terms that his was. His suffering was for our benefit. Our suffering should be for his benefit, to bring him glory, to bring him honor. Uh, so in verse 18 speaks to that, to make us more like him. The second thing is, is that it reveals him to our world. It makes him known, as I said earlier, because that's the, only, that's the only possibility of our path being a peaceful path through suffering is him. The only opportunity for suffering to be redemptive and to tell a story is for him to tell it, for him to use us to tell it to others, to make him known to others. So it's always about us, and it always reveals him to our world. Listen to Romans 8, verses 17 and 18. It says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed, watch, we share in his sufferings in order that we may also may share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So that's why we should see suffering as opportunity because it's the gateway, if you will, to the revelation of his glory, suffering is. Now, if you want to glorify him in your life, yes, we can sing some songs, we can... We can pray some prayers, we can walk with him, we can, we can read his word, we can stick our nose in this book, we can, can educate ourselves and inform ourselves. But he's saying here the power of testimony through suffering is a powerful testimony. It's, it, it's in, God will use it in ways that he'll use nothing else in, in our life. So, and that's by his design that it be that way, to bring him glory, not us, that our suffering brings, brings more glory to him. Uh, there's some gold balls in the, in the trophy case up at Fulton gold footballs, a couple of gold basketballs that are there for state championships. And, and Rob can tell you this, and Jody Rock can tell you this in basketball too, that those don't come without some suffering. The glory of the gold ball don't come without running some hills and stadiums and trying to get in shape so that when the other team's gasping for air in the fourth quarter, you still got gas in the tank. That comes from suffering in practice. And the gold ball sometimes come to, comes from some lean years where you're not winning any championships, where you're struggling, but you're developing people, 
You're developing the mindset. You're developing the culture in those lean years. You see, glory comes as a result of suffering. We've got to suffer to get the glory. We've got to suffer to get, for God to get the glory out of our life that he's talking about. In fact, back up to, to chapter 2 with me, if you will, in First Peter chapter 2. And let's look at verses 21 to 25 together. We looked at this, looked at this a couple of weeks ago. He says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He suffered. If you want to walk like him, you're going to experience suffering as well. Well, the sum, summation of all this is this. The active, intentional life of a Christ follower is going to bring about suffering. The active, intentional life in a Christ follower, if you're intentionally walking with Christ, it's going to bring about some suffering. I'm going to tell you, the enemy's going to see to it. Now, if you don't want to experience suffering, just... Keep your mouth shut. Keep your faith to yourself. Show up at church when it's convenient for you. Walk, walk in faith when it's convenient for you. Shelve your belief system and just keep it in the closet, and you'll experience very little suffering in life, spiritually speaking, and, and, and oftentimes in many other ways. But you get it out of the closet. You bring it into the kingdom. You bring it into the church. You bring it into the marketplace. You bring it into work. You bring it into the places where where. People aren't crazy about it. You're, you're going to start to experience some suffering. The enemy will see to it. I promise you he'll see to it that that happens. Um, but the, the second point I want to make is this. Suffering is a good gauge that I'm doing something right. If you're experiencing suffering, you know, we're always looking for measurables. How can I measure my faith? How can I, how can I measure whether my walk is any deeper today than it was before? If you're experiencing some suffering, you're doing something right because the enemy's coming after you, and he's coming after you for a reason. The reason is your life is, is impactful. Your life is, is bearing influence in someone else's life. And he, he don't want you to see that, so he wants to make you suffer to shut your mouth, to get you back on the seat, back on the bench, and out of the game. If, if, you, if you're experiencing suffering, that's a good gauge that you're doing something right. So, Tim, are you saying we should chase after suffering? <laughs> Absolutely not. But we shouldn't run from it either. We shouldn't run from it knowing it's designed in God's, through God's lens to bring us into his likeness to make us think and act and believe and speak and, and process life according to his plan, according to his design. Suffering is designed to bring us more into his image because he suffered and he was perfect and sinless. How dare we think we're not going to as well in a broken and, and, and uh, divided and divisive culture that we live in. Suffering is the byproduct sometimes of decisions we make. Yes, I said a moment ago it can be consequential. It's never the punishment of God. It's always the design of God to draw us to himself, to make us more Christ-like, for us to see that suffering matters because God has designed to it not only to make us more like him, but to bring more glory to himself. And that's of importance. So if you're in a place today where, where you know, you're in a hard place, you're thinking, is there an end to this? Yes, there is. I want to say that. It's never going to be the end that you think it should be, as quick as you think it should be, or in the way that you think it should be. 
But there is an end. Suffering is seasonal. Some seasons are longer than others. Some are shorter. There's an end to it. But the end comes when I see the lesson God wants me to see in the suffering. As long as I don't see the lesson, the suffering's going to, at least that's been my experience, it persists in my life until I get the lesson. Once I get the lesson, God moves me beyond that because he's taught me something that I otherwise didn't know, would not have known had I not experienced the suffering. So once I experience the lesson, he, I move on. Is there more suffering around the corner? <laughs> Probably. Because, because <clears throat> as I want to move deeper in my faith, grow more intimate in my walk with him, the enemy's going to seek to attack that again and again and again. And God will allow it to teach us more about himself <clears throat> and to bring more glory to him. It's a part of a believer's life who's doing anything. I just want you to hear that. If you're going to do something for him and live an active, intentional life, you're going to suffer for it. You're going to experience some suffering. Welcome it. Don't run from it. Welcome it because it refines you. It sharpens you. It makes you more like Christ. If, you, if that's not what you want, put your faith on the shelf. Keep it there. You'll be fine. If you want to understand more about what he's up to and, and what he's, how he's weaving himself through, through a disdainful and decide, divided uh, culture, suffering is a vehicle to get there and see that and walk in it and see the, the hand of God in it and respond to it. Let's pray. Father, um, sometimes the scripture is, is, is hard. Sometimes the, the lessons are hard. But there was nothing easy about the cross. There was nothing easy about <clears throat> you're walking a narrow road, bloodstained because of stripes on your back and the blood oozing down your back into the street. There's nothing easy about having your hands and feet nailed to a cross. There's nothing easy about being spat upon and, and, and mocked. Nothing easy about being mocked on the cross. If you're, if you're, Jesus, if you're God's son, save yourself, come down from the cross, they said. Nothing easy about swallowing your pride to fulfill the plan of the Father. And consequently, there's nothing easy about walking in this world for you in this place. If we're going to be impactful and have influence, if we're going to be known, and if our walk is going to be noticed, we're going to suffer for it. That's going to be a natural consequence in a world that's broken, and we are certainly in a broken world. So would you teach us today the value, not, not just in knowing you, but in walking the road you walked, not just in seeing the, the, the glory side of things, but seeing the suffering that brings the glory to yourself. Not just in understanding that salvation is, is in our heart and heaven is our home. Yes, those things are true, but there's, he left us here for a reason. And, and that reason is for others to see our walk and our, and our work and, and hear our witness. And so as we're walking that out, as we're hearing, seeing our work and hearing our witness, would would the suffering that comes from that active walk with you, that intentional walk with you, would that bring glory to you as well? Would we be not drawn down into the pit of it, but learn to exalt you in the middle of it, walk with peace in the middle of it, cling to a rock when life around us is, is crumbling? Teach us the lessons in those places that only those places can teach, and we'll be, we'll be more like you for it. Our life will be more influential for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.